What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Make It Work podcast. This is Stephanie. And this is Morgan. And welcome to my TED Talk, motherfuckers. (laughs) It's game time. I'm so excited. Okay, so top of the episode, like always. Again, we've had friends ask how they can help us. Subscribe, 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 rate, review. Also, just notice we had our first one-star review, I think, because the other person had changed their minds. And I don't know what we're doing to get one-star reviews, but I feel like it's some sort of controversy because you just didn't feel mediocre about it. You felt really bad. Really upset. We really, we really moved you. So if y'all could help balance that person out and give us some five stars and some reviews, we'd really appreciate it. And uh, come forward. Yeah. Like, one star. Just tell us, give me some constructive criticism, okay? Don't just be shady and then like bounce out of here. Maybe they're anti-Semitic misogynists. Yeah. Maybe they're racist. It's the only thing that I can think of. <laughs> Obviously, because if you don't find me funny, then you must be. <laughs> and racist yeah, also. Exactly. So you're just a piece of garbage. Yeah. Anyways, so everybody, please. Okay, like obviously constructive criticism is welcome, but a one star with no comment is just unnecessary. So five star, subscribe, follow us on Instagram and on Twitter and on our Facebook page, share our stuff, all that good stuff. Typical broken record shit. Help us. Help us. Please. Seriously. <laughs> For the love of God, please. <laughs> we are all over the place and we need your help. Yeah. We technically just recorded a few days ago for the episode last week. So I have one recommendation and that recommendation I didn't even get to watch the full thing of because I came out and Charlie was already like almost done with it while we were recording. And it was the movie Just Mercy with Michael B. Jordan. He's fine. Oh, yeah. That's what I told him. I was like, I'll watch whatever <laughs> this is. <laughs> yeah. And it's about... He becomes a lawyer and helps get this man who was wrongfully correct, wrongfully convicted off death row. And I literally only saw the last 15 minutes and I cried and Charlie cried. I'm going to out him because it was such a good movie. And so I need to, when I'm in a good emotional state, go back and watch it because this past weekend was Father's Day. And as y'all know, I don't have a dad. So crying about death row and how fucked up our country is and not having a dad was too much. So I will be going back to watch the whole thing because for the month of June, it's free on Amazon. I love Amazon. Mm-hmm. Amazon is the shit. Cool. That's a great recommendation. The only thing that I've listened to completely since the last time that you and I recorded was an episode of Behind the Bastards, which is a cool podcast. It's this guy um, who goes through like shitty people throughout history and goes into their <laughs> lives and things like that. And this one that I listened to was about this insane person who is the brains behind police training it's mostly it was like every every almost every police officer in minnesota had taken this guy's course and it it? pretty much is like kill or be killed jesus yeah and he's a he this dude invented killology is literally like the science, quote unquote, it's not really science that he created. So Behind the Bastards is a super cool podcast just in general. But this one kind of does a deep dive into like one of the reasons that why maybe police officers are in such like a hypersensitive, hyper aggressive state when they go out to work. Maybe. Yeah. Um, so it was interesting. It was like fucking bizarre. This dude sounds like a lunatic, but... And 
and then our government was paying for that training for the people who are supposed to keep us safe. So that's super fucking awesome. Also, what a genius podcast idea. Yeah, that's that podcast has been around forever. And I have a friend that I worked with for a while. His name's CJ. He listens to this. Hi, CJ. I love you. What's up? And he's the one that recommended Behind the Bastards to me. And I've listened to a few of them. And like, it is not a podcast that you can binge because it's like super fucking upsetting. And the guy's <laughs> funny who does it. But uh, uh, there are just some fucked up people in the world. And one of them is this guy who like found a niche market with American police and it's like a weird, like the civilians are the enemy. And, you know, if you don't shoot first, you're going to die kind of shit. So that's, that's, that's my recommendation. Hell yeah. Because from my understanding, it was supposed to be that you're never supposed to, you're only supposed to match force and never exceed force. That is complete opposite of what they're supposed to be trained. Also being ER and ICU nurses, guess who gets spit at, attempted to be stabbed, punched, choked, bit, on a regular basis. Verbally abused. Verbally abused, emotionally Sexually abused, harassed. Sexually harassed, degraded, just absolutely destroyed. Spoken to like a piece of garbage. I think that's actually insulting to garbage, honestly. <laughs> and Have you ever killed anyone? No, I've never killed anyone. I've also never exceeded the force that was put upon me. Yeah. I mean, the only thing I've ever done is defend myself. And that's where I get frustrated because I understand like people are like, well, those people are antagonizing cops. I was like, excuse me, this weekend I had a man to tell me to stunt my pussy on a corner because that's <laughs> all I would be good for was working my pussy on a corner. And I didn't shoot him. So <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I just feel it's funny like, how it works like that. Yeah, I just I have people say horrible, horrible things to me and I've never even remotely thought of. OK, that's not true. I've visualize what it'd be like to choke them but i haven't done it yeah i mean we had like an agitated dude come in the other night who was grabbing one of the nurses and gripping her arm really tight and mm -hmm. she was just like please let go of my arm yeah please stop <laughs> i mean we had security in the room but like he had a good grip on her yeah you know it just these people end up getting put into like a really crazy mindset that's Un unnecessary and unrealistic and it was just really interesting hearing like the curriculum yeah. that makes people think this way and it was interesting because on the podcast they have like the booklet that they teach out of and then this guy had written notes in it during the class like someone uh, someone had sent it in that's wild yeah so that's an interesting one behind the bastards yeah Okay, so yeah. those are recommendations for the week. Plus, I'm sure you probably still need to catch up on other stuff we've done anyways. So there we go. And we're about to have probably a super long podcast at the top before editing, obviously. I'm going to try my best to get this all in one episode. But if it gets to be too extensive and I get too excited, it may have to be broken up into two episodes. Yeah, we'll see. You guys will know before we do. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> Us now has no idea. So future selves, good luck. Godspeed. Yeah. Hope editing doesn't suck. <laughs> editing's gonna suck yeah it is so today we are finally doing the enneagram i am literally so excited we talk about this in almost every episode it comes up and the only thing that i know about enneagrams is what i am mm -hmm. and that's it i had no idea there were so many i'm so excited to learn i can't wait i'm thrilled yes and it's also i mean yes it's cool to feel understood don't get me wrong and once you kind of tap into your type and you see anything from the memes 
pages to like how you work and stress and in growth, you're like, holy cow, is it there inside my brain? But to me, the, again, I'm a two, as we'll discuss later, the thing that makes this tool insanely beneficial and you utilize in my everyday life is that I understand now how other people's brains work. And that's huge because I just assumed everyone kind of thought like me and process things the way I did. And I got so frustrated when they didn't do what I was expecting and they didn't treat me how I treated them, which is the whole fucking golden rule. And one thing I've learned in order to not be as disappointed with people is you have to think of it like a dinner party. So if we all had one dish that was like our signature dish that we brought, we wouldn't have enough things to eat, right? So when you have a group of friends or your family and you have everybody has these different types, which means they have these different gifts that they bring to the table, that yes, it's nothing like yours, but if we just had eight dishes of my bomb ass mac and cheese, that's really not that good of a dinner. I like that analogy. Mm -hmm. So this episode, because there's nine types, we, I cannot explain to you how much of a cliff notes this is, y'all. Like this is like the skim the surface, rough draft, super light, because I wanna go through each type if I can. So I'll break down each type and then as you learn the types, what your wing is, so you'll have a primary type and then a wing. And the wing is one of your numbers, adjacent numbers. So like I'm a two V three. So obviously two is next to three, or you could be a two V one. So we'll kind of break that down with each numbers. How a lot of schools of thought explain this is that your type is how you process information. And then your wing is more how you relate to other people and kind of how people view you almost. So they work in conjunction and you'll kind of see how they fit and how it's able to be. So there's not just nine personality types. There's two wings of each personality type. Plus there's healthy to unhealthy, you know, all that kind of stuff. But we're not going in that deep because that's too much. Too much. Too we can't handle that. Too much. Another question I get at the top a lot is how to go about finding your type. I love the eclectic Enneagram test, just the classic one, because it's free and I've had good success with it with anybody I've helped. I recommend just in my own experience taking the test, then kind of looking into it will give you um, like almost a chart of where you're at like like you know how you took like a pop quiz on buzzfeed and it have like your number one answer and then it has like where you identify with other ones kind of ranking yeah so it will show you what you identify with the most because people who you know either i've they say the one of the worst things you can do is type someone in your life before they understand what it is so like if i put them in a box and i try to assume what they are before they've looked into it or if they read something and like my partner is a seven. When you learn what a seven is, everybody wants to be a fucking seven. So if you didn't know what anything was <laughs> and you want to be a seven, then you're going to answer questions so that it looks like that, right? Because that's right. a fucking outgoing, bubbly personality type. And so, or if you want to be, you know, a certain number, you might tailor your test. So I recommend taking the test, then kind of looking at the number and understanding the number, then what really it breaks down to is your core motivation and your core fear. So for each type, I've listed out your core motivation, your core fear, what this person typically looks like in your friend group, like what friend of yours probably is this type, like the personality wise, 
um, what they struggle with, what they need to hear, like what their message is, and then a little bit breakdown of their wings. Fuck yeah. Yeah. I, I, I dominated this shit. I love this. I'm such a nerd. I am definitely not a seven. I like may have lashed out at somebody at a gas station the other day for like talking to me. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's okay. I'm not a seven either. I don't fucking understand it. I wish, but no. And you'll hear some people be like, oh, I'm a two V seven. I'm like, that's not how this works. That's not, no, you're not. You're not. Okay. So we're learning who the fakers are too. Yeah. So if you say you're like a a type and your wing is not an adjacent number, which is also confusing because it goes one through nine. And so one, you can be a one V nine or nine, you can be a nine V one. It's kind of like a closed circle. I was going to say, it's like a, if you visualize it like a circle, the one and the nine are next to each other. Exactly. Fresh. Cool. Any questions about like overall generalized Enneagram shit? Um, not that I can think of right off the top, but I'm sure that I will interject with questions throughout just for some clarification for myself. And then I assume if I have the same question that other people may as well. Yeah, agreed. But before I do that, I do want to say like there is such thing as stupid questions. So <laughs> people who say there's no such thing as stupid questions, like that's stupid, you know? So if I do ask a stupid question... Just tell me that it's dumb. You haven't asked me a stupid question yet. We've been friends for over half our lives, so. Well, I'm not dumb. That's very true, or I wouldn't be able to spend so much time with you. (laughs) Nor would I have chosen you as a business partner. (laughs) That's true. That's true. Back at you. Yes. Okay. So a lot of people get all butthurt and say, like, to go in reverse order or mix it up because then people who go from one to nine get all, what, y'all, don't make my life more confusing. I'm not putting these in a ranking. You don't win because you're number one or number nine is the highest score. It's just a different fucking type. So, we're right. Going. Like, it could easily be A, B, C, D, E, F, G, blah, blah, blah. Exactly. So it's not okay. like you won because you got a higher number. That's not how this works. Okay. All right. So we're so your start. personality doesn't start off shitty with a one and then get better <laughs> as you go up. Yes, exactly. Or well, you're not like and we're two, one. so we're like second worst. Yeah. Well, it would make sense because being a two is hard as fuck. <laughs> okay. Cool. Perfect. I love making things more difficult for myself than they need to be. Again, CEOs of doing things the hard way. Us here. Hi. How are you doing? <laughs> Hello. Hello. Welcome to this podcast. We choose to make things as difficult as fucking possible just for content for you. <laughs> it's all for other people. It has nothing to do with my own self. No. And learning style. We're just trying to find purpose to our pain. <laughs> We've caused ourselves. <laughs> Jesus. Okay. So Enneagram one. Number one is known as the perfectionist or their the reformer. Their core motivation, so the thing that's most important to them, is to be good or to be perfect. This is not to be confused with being the best or being competitive. They have a very strong moral compass, so they want to be truly good. So it's not like a type A where you are like a perfectionist. It's like morally Mm -hmm. perfectionist. Which a lot of times they do tend to be very detail-oriented because they're... The thing they're doing is they're trying to make everything better. So anything in life they think can be better because their core fear is being like corrupt or evil or bad. So they believe if they go on this constant journey to better things and be a better version of themselves and make the good choice that that makes them good at their core and they won't be considered bad. Hmm. 
So um, your the friend, your type one friend is gonna look like the rule follower. They're very responsible, dependable, honest. They have very high standards, detail oriented. With this, they do they do get easily frustrated, and they can be kind of impatient. And they are typically on time. They can get very impatient if you're not on time. One of my really good girlfriends is a type one. She's one of my best friends, and I'm always late. <laughs> I'm sure it makes her fucking crazy, but it's just who I am as a person. So that I'm sure irritates her, but she still loves me through it for some reason. Type ones have this super severe, hateful inner critic. They have this voice in their head that constantly is telling them that they're inadequate. And they think that everyone has this. Like they think everybody is talking mad shit to themselves all the time. Which can you imagine? Like that sounds fucking exhausting because I'm already hard on myself when I see myself naked out of the shower that the idea of that voice being there all the time makes my heart break for ones that's awful yeah so they have like a very hard inner critic but they're never as hard on anyone else as they are on themselves but they do have high standards for others so if they think that you're not doing things correctly which correctly is their way you know kind of right the right way the good way they will get frustrated and think you might be lazy or you just don't care um They're also looking to improve things, including the people around them. So sometimes this might be like a little bit nitpicky or naggy and they have good intentions. They want things to be better, but they're also continuously trying to improve rather than appreciate. Interesting. Yes. So what they and I've said what they understand in others is why, you know, everybody else doesn't feel the need to do things thoroughly and, you know, be detail oriented and follow through. They just can't understand that our brains don't work that way so they get very frustrated and then the message they kind of need to hear is that it's okay not to be perfect and they're good enough there's nothing we need out of them to be better that we love them the way they are and they are more than good enough that's nice Mm -hmm. i feel like i I have a couple people in mind Mm -hmm. that probably need to hear that yeah so that's what they have different messages they kind of say it goes off a childhood wound So childhood wounds can be either perceived or legitimate things that happen because different schools of thought think that you're basically born with a type that makes you more receptive to this like self-fulfilling prophecy, you know, that you either expect to hear this message or you could be in a household where you heard this message, but basically ones were told somehow that they were not good enough. Okay. So they feel this need to continuously validate. Ooh, something I should have done at the top, but my ones will be proud of me for doing this. Let me list some of my resources. <laughs> the Enneagram Institute, I they are the most detailed knowledge. Almost everything you see on the internet kind of comes off the Enneagram Institute. Like you'll see just like quotations from them and stuff. Enneagram Ashton is a really cool account. She just has great graphics and does a very good job, I think, at summarizing and teaching Enneagram things. There's is that Instagram. Instagram, yeah. Enneagram Ashton, okay. or I think she also goes by like Enneagram Joy. And then I also read the, or audibled the book. It's called The Enneagram of Belonging by Christopher Hertz. This book is a hell of a deep dive. I do not recommend it to somebody who is fresh in the Enneagram game because I had to take breaks from it because I was getting overwhelmed with how much information there was. And I know a lot of this stuff, like a lot of this stuff I know off memory just because I've studied this a lot. And then I just kind of went into the Enneagram Institute to back me up with details. But his book is very, it's deep, but it's really good. Nice. 
And that's audible. And that's audible. Yes. Okay. So, and I'll, um, I'll try to remember my goal is to have those in the episode notes. And then if editing me gets my life together correctly enough to have timestamps for like the types. Okay. Because unfortunately, other people usually don't want to hear about all the types. They want to hear about their own type and people they love, even though they should know all the types. <laughs> right. Okay. Well, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but you should listen to the whole thing. You, re- yeah. you really should, because then if you think you're one type and you didn't listen to the whole thing and you really identify more with another one and you it may take you longer to go through that and really not be able to do the self like work that you need to. We're all about self-work. Yes, we are. So then you'll see as we go into like wing types, they go into the numbers. So as you learn the numbers, the wings make sense. So like a 1v9 is known as the idealist. These are typically more introverted ones. They're more reserved. They tend to avoid conflict, which you'll learn type 9 is a peacemaker. So they don't, they're pretty stubborn as the do-gooders of a 1, but they're not going to create a scene about it. They're just kind of going to do their own thing. Okay. Whereas a 1v2 is known as the advocate. They, you know, 2 is the helper. So they are more empathetic. They're concerned about justice and taking care of others. You know, they're the more outgoing of the type 1s. So I guess we'll get into it for type 2s because I'm just curious for myself what the wing is to be a 2v1. Yes. Because I do identify, I guess, I mean, it's stuff like this. I guess there's things to identify with in each of them. Mm-hmm. I'm definitely not a perfectionist and definitely not like a type A personality and, you know, detail oriented at all. But, you know, punctuality and you know doing things the right way. Yeah. I can identify with that. Well, the first time I ever heard of this was in Chris's book. He does a lot of different Enneagram podcasts, too, that... And he belongs to a school of thought that you kind of in your first half of life have, you know, your primary type in your one wing. And then through your second half of life, like that second wing comes in. So you get traits of both. So you can identify with both as you create, have more life experience. You kind of lean into both of those sides. So, you know, you, cause I think you're a two V three, two like me. And I think as I was younger, I've always leaned towards, we'll explain more in a three in a second, which we're about to go into two. That's what Morgan and I are, which is the helper. So we'll just open that up. Morgan and I are both two V3s. And I identify more with three, but I understand, like you said, like I get the justice part of a one. I do have major guilt and do want to do the right thing. And if I think I didn't make the right choice, I will even humiliate myself or take 10 steps backward to fix it because it will keep me up at night. Right. Yeah. So I feel that. So the type two, this is going to hurt for you to hear because you haven't studied yourself a lot yet. I know. I'm scared. I'm like (laughs) hugging my knees. (laughs) So type two is the helper. Our core motivation is to be wanted or to be needed. Our core fear is being worthless or unworthy of love. And that if they have wants or needs, that they are a burden. Morgan's already (laughs) laughing with like a shame smile on her face. You know, I like did the quiz that you texted to me a long time ago and I was like, oh, two V three. And then I was just like, cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm a helper. You are a helper. That is a little too close to home. Oh, just wait, girlfriend. Just <laughs> okay, wait. Fine. I have a whole struggles with section, remember? So now just remember 
I'm kind of glad we're at two, so we got this at the top. So how uncomfy I'm making you right now? I already did this about a year ago. When I went through my divorce is when someone pushed me into this because I was like, I'm still am a major self help journey, and you got to acknowledge your bullshit before you can really fix it, you know? Right. So again, our core fear it sounds pretty fucked up to me, babies, just because it is is literally being unwanted. <laughs> like just no one wants us, and that no one loves us, and that we have to earn our love which i'll discuss later that that's very similar to a type nine sphere and i'll discuss the differences but basically we feel this need to serve and act in order to earn this validation and love your type two friends are going to look like your empathetic friends they often are going to know your needs before you even know what they are they're very warm they like to make people feel welcome and seen and heard and they're like they're your the mom friend, the one whose house you want to go to, the one who wants to take care of you, who you know you can rely on, that's your two. What we struggle with. <laughs> saying, yeah, saying no, which I will tell you if you are two, that gets easier with age. Yeah. As with everything else does. Honest to God, everybody talks shit about aging and other than the wrinkles, which you have Botox for, most of life does like make more sense as you get older. Yeah, I like the idea that you kind of grow into each wing as you get older and you gain more life experience. That's like a cool picture to me. Yeah. And then which we can talk about off or if if people like this and we want to go deeper, each type has a place they go in stress and a place they go in growth and they pull from different places. And I can see that wholeheartedly because both of us. okay, like this is just a quick example. We won't do these for all of us, but twos go to eights in stress. Eights are, uh, Sierra's an eight, uh, aggressive, commanding, <laughs> strong. So kind of both of us, we are very complacent for a long time, but then when our needs are not met, we tend to have that long fuse, big bomb, right? Where we snap, which is a typical reaction for a type eight. Okay. So, but also when we become better versions of ourselves, we tap into the good stuff from an eight. So like standing our ground, speaking what we need, stuff like that. And that makes us less resentful. It's great. Like the whole, all this breaking down, like your fucking brain will explode. It's insane. So interesting. So that's why I love it. That's why I'm a nerd. And I spent this much time on this word document, ma'am. Like, <laughs> I'm proud of you. Yes. So we struggle with saying no. We are not good at knowing our own needs. And then once we do figure out our own needs, we try to avoid them with distractions or focusing on others. And then we have our sin, I guess you would say, or the thing that our major struggle is, is pride. So we want to help and have a lot of issues with asking for help or accepting the help of others. And what we don't understand in others is that because we are so perceptive and we're able to feed off your energy and your vibes and kind of what you're putting out, we assume that others should be able to do the same for us. This is something that has caused conflict in every relationship in my whole life and still does, even though I know I'm doing it, is that I'm like, how did you not know what I needed? I thought I was very clear, which I was not clear, thought I was clear, was not clear. I was right. like, well, if I if it were you in the situation, I would have known exactly what you needed. Right. Exactly. Because we like read other people's minds. That's our gift. But at the same time, like, you know, gifts are a burden. So because we're able to do that, we expect that of other people. And they can't, they they don't know how to do that. They don't have that gift. So let me ask you this. Yes. Career wise, mm-hmm. just because we are both nurses, 
and that the word that goes with two is helper. Does the, is there a correlation there? A lot of um, twos are in healthcare. A lot of twos are teachers. Okay. Definitely people-oriented careers typically. We're just major people people. We're good at feelings. We're very emotionally. We would be the most emotionally intelligent number. Okay. But also probably the least technically self-aware number or the one that has to struggle the most to be self-aware. And that okay. also we have a tendency to do. So I get like legitimate, like not even just for another person. I get joy of helping other people. And I'm sure you feel the same way. Like when I truly help somebody, it makes me happy. It's cool that I help them too. And I'm glad that I did that. But like it brings me happiness. But sometimes too has this tendency to help others to create this role in someone's life so that they're needed. Right. So it's like backhanded almost. Yeah. So it's like you're either doing it for validation or hello, if you are an alcoholic, <laughs> hey, your dream wife, a two. Because right. guess who's going to take care of things, pretend like everything's fine, you know, put you on a pedestal, you know, take care of everything for you and not create a big mess. That's going to be your two. So a lot of times we are more enabling, you know, that kind of stuff. That's definitely in our wheelhouse. But then with experience and if that's causing stress, is that where the eight comes in? And that's where we're able to get the fuck out of that situation? Exactly. So like if okay. we are not identifying our own needs, a lot of times when we get resentful, we become like an eight. So we just become like that commanding, bossy, kind of manipulative eight but if we tap into like the strengths of an eight because they are the bosses they are the ceos they're the commanders they get shit done and they stand their ground and when we kind of pull into their strength that's when we don't get resentful because if i say what i need which again took me well into adulthood to express my expectations because I was constantly disappointed about my expectations not being met. Right. That now I may, I mean, I'm definitely considered confrontational, but I'm confrontational in a loving way. Like you've said, like we want to resolve fights now. Like you've learned to do that because you know how upset it makes you to not have conflict resolved. Right. It makes me physically sick. Yeah. So you've tapped into that strength of an eight to do that. And then again, obviously we're going to talk a lot about twos, y'all. We're both two. So, I mean, if you're not a two, I'm sorry, you, you can be bored. It's fine. When we go into like our place of growth and being our best self and becoming better is going towards a four, which is was the hardest for me to research because I I struggle with going towards a four. It's just on a foreign thing to me, but it makes us better. And fours are like these individuals, creative, they're the romantics. I'll explain in a minute. But when we choose to take time, which you do, to have alone time, to decompress to be creative, to express our own needs and really feel our own feelings, we become better versions of ourselves and better twos. So you've seen where you go in a bad place, you see what you do to take care of yourself and be better and what you have to do to have your needs met, like where you've identified with those numbers. That's so cool. Isn't it awesome? This I like the idea of someone who makes graphics of all of this because I'm picturing like webs. Oh, yeah, they have. Cool. That's what and that's why when I was trying to find good summaries, because I mean, I know that we're obviously going in deeper than we probably should be, but I just fucking love and I can't help it. <laughs> but the Enneagram Ashton on Instagram or there's Enneagram and Coffee. She does make great graphics or Enneagram Life has pretty good graphics and memes. I also love memes accounts because I just love memes. <laughs> 
it's a lot to take in. And so having those visual representations for me helps quite a bit. Right. And like I said, we're probably not going to go this deep on every number. I will. If that's something you guys want, I have zero problems. I will make separate episodes. All that stuff, I'm totally down. But I mean, this is a lot to do for nine numbers. Yeah. Um, so the message that we need to hear, like twos need to hear that you are loved for who you are, not what you do or you provide. Aw. Okay. This is kind of whatever, smushy romantic, which is not normally my thing. Again, that's what you would be like a type four. I'm not romantic. <laughs> I did not, I had not studied this much and I was at a counseling appointment like back in the fall. And I looked at my counselor and I told her, I said, Charlie is the first man in my life who loves me for like who I am as a person, not what I'm actively doing for him. It was truly the first time in my entire life I've ever felt that way. Yeah. And it wasn't like a reciprocated. It wasn't me earning his love. It was good, bad. He still liked those parts of me. And I never had felt that before. Well, that's why you're meant to be together. Yeah. And so that was like a. She found that. Yeah. And so I guess then as I I said that at an appointment and then now like going into these more and I'm like, oh, shit, that was literally what I should have been looking for. Right. The entire time. And I didn't. Because I was so used to performing to like earn love, quote unquote. Right. You know, feeling appreciated and feeling wanted is is all well and good, but get more than a few months into it and it's like a you're creating another job for yourself. That's not fair. Yeah. And just being good enough, just you are enough, like that whole thing. That is something I've struggled with my whole life is it's not because we're going to go into threes next, which I'm I lean heavy into my three way <laughs> heavy. Like I'm a very much like I am the epitome of a two V three. So it was what I could accomplish, what I could do, what I could provide you, how good I was, how great I was. That was how much I was loved. Right. Not because I'm not just, just because you're a good person exactly. and you're far, smart and funny. Yeah, that's hard. Yeah. So. On the wings, because you had questions about these. Yes. A 2v1 is called the servant because they... Oh, I don't like that. Well, I listen, don't like that listen, listen, listen. Because <laughs> I know that sounds bad context, but they fight for the underdog injustice typically. Like they use that love for people. So like them and eights are big at... When they say servant, because a lot of Enneagram actually... This is like thousands of years old. Like this was used in churches, all kinds of denominations, like not just Christianity, other religions. I can't remember off the top of my head, but I remember that there was like a lot of different practices that melded these all together. Okay. And Eastern religions and just different energies you go off of. And when they say like the servant, they mean, think of like a church. A 2v1 is probably a nun would make a very good 2v1 because they have these good and these like lines of morally good, but then they're people, people at their core. Okay. So servant, like service for people who need help, not like, yes. can I get you a drink? What can I do for you? It means that you feel this need to serve others. Like, you know, how they say like you serve the church, like you're serving this greater good. Okay. So they have strong morals. They typically are the more introverted of the type twos. And they also struggle more with boundaries. So they're less likely to speak up for themselves. So we're already not good at boundaries. And then they're even worse at boundaries. Got it. They're like meeker. Yes, exactly. Okay. And then a 2v3 is called the hostess. So 
But the mostest. Hostess with the mostest, which is my I favorite. I have all thing. the cheeses. Exactly. Like it's which is my very favorite thing to do is yeah. host things. A charcuterie boards. <laughs> charcuterie boards, parties, board games. I'm fucking thriving. I mean, think about high school, how I always wanted to have the parties. I always want everybody at my house. Yep. I love it. Um 2v3s are ambitious. They're people pleasers. They're very confident typically. They're the more extroverted of the twos. They also have that chameleon factor that threes have where they're able to kind of adapt to what environment they're in and get along with a lot of different people. Okay. So like a 2v3 2v3 can kind of hang in a rough crowd, whereas like a 2v1 might have a little bit of trouble with people making poor choices. Gotcha. So... Peer pressure works a little bit better on a 2v3, <laughs> you know? I am so easily peer pressured. It's like <laughs> a problem, it's, whatever. It's, <laughs> it's also resulted in a lot of content. It's fine. Take the shot, bitch. Yes. No, take the fucking shot. Okay. All right, fine. If you say so. <laughs> Enneagram 3 is the achiever. Um, So many people I love in my life are threes. I, I, I love them because... I feed off their energy so hardcore. Their core motivation is worth and to be valuable. Their core fear is being worthless. And I would even say in the threes I know in my life, they would consider being average to be worthless. So this friend would look like your confident, passionate, driven, hardworking friend. They're very competitive, but they're usually like your biggest cheerleader. They think you are capable of doing anything. They're very easily adaptable. They're very charismatic. They can read a room so well. So I heard a comparison on Jen Hatmaker's podcast. She was talking about, I want to say she's a three and maybe it was her husband's a two. And so how they compared these was like, let's say you and I went to give a presentation. Okay. You and I immediately let's say there's a hundred people if there's three people who feel left out who feel detached or upset or you know like something's off they're who are going to get our attention right because we sense that something's wrong so usually twos are good at like making people feel included at new parties and things like that and they they have a very big issue of people feeling left out Whereas threes are going to read the vibe of whatever room off the majority. So they're going to look at those 97 and they're going to know how to pitch that meeting to those 97 people. Okay. Like like we are going to be looking, we're going to feel the weakness and they're going to feel the strength and adapt to the crowd. Interesting. Yes. So it's so weird because you're right. It's like, if you're one type, I just, it's so interesting hearing how other people's brain works because it's just not how mine works. No, but also I spent my whole life thinking anything I knew that everyone else already knew. Because I don't think I'm stupid, but like that anything anybody else knew, obviously like they are, if I knew it, they knew it. And if I thought that they thought that. Yeah. Which is honestly kind of ignorant on our parts and we can't help it because the idea of processing information, you don't think about that coming a different way. Right. Oh, just wait. Wait till we get to a four, which is what we're supposed to do when we work. Well, fours blow my fucking mind, okay? I identify with the threes. These still make sense to me. Yeah, okay. Threes, they're like struggle. So typically it's like a one word given, they break it down. It's called deceit, which sounds cruel, but like, hear me out. They, They tend to kind of like mask. So where they have that unique ability to adapt to anything, you know, they can be friends with anybody. 
and they can fit in any crowd. They can, you know, work whatever. They can make whatever circumstances work. And they're not only going to do it, but then they're going to be like the most like person there. You know, they're the person who comes to the work party. They're the new person. And then they have the most phone numbers and like lunch dates the next week. Right. Like People just are drawn to them. A lot of celebrities are threes. uh, A lot of athletes are threes. It's these people who are just unbelievably driven. But when you have that need to be the best and to fit in, they can sometimes kind of follow dreams that really aren't their own. So instead of maybe going down a career path that is their passion because everybody else really wants this and they want to be the best, then they try to be the best at this one thing that's idolized. Like, let's say they really like. So it's Troy Bolton from High School Musical. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he's like, whatever he's going to do, he's going to be the best at it. But really, he was trying to do what everybody else wanted him to do. Right. Yes. Boom. Done. Troy Bolton, three. (laughs) (laughs) I'll email the Enneagram Institute and ask them to add (laughs) two examples. He was my first love. My first true, true love. I know. I remember watching that movie with you in your Willamette house. Yeah. And blushing the entire time. I just cannot get enough Zac Efron. Yeah, we we watch that a lot, too. I feel like we watch that (laughs) multiple times. Anyways. (laughs) Yes. So Troy Bolton is a good example of a three. So that's not my dream, Dad. (laughs) Yours. But he still kicked ass at it, too. That's the whole point is like threes are they're like that person is like annoyingly good at like whatever they do and they make it look easy. But like, really, it's not easy. They just would never let you know how hard they were working, really. But then they become very frustrated if they feel like others aren't working hard around them. They have very high energy, so they are very confused by people who don't have drive and ambition and energy and they consider it laziness because it's not how their brain works. So they think if I have to be the best at everything and you don't even care, like clearly you're just lazy. Okay. Like that's, that's kind of how they're going. Their brain processes it. I'm obviously like paraphrasing significantly. Okay. I don't have a fucking degree in this. Can you get a degree in this? Uh, I wish. I don't know. I would in a fucking heartbeat. I guess technically psychology. I feel like if I went back to school and I like money wasn't a thing, I would want to do psychology. Yeah. That would be cool. Yeah. And they also take criticism very deeply and poorly because uh, positive affirmations are so important for them because they do want to be the best they take praise so everybody needs praise but like they take praise so deeply that also on the flip side when you criticize them it's going to hit them so much deeper like if you say I did something wrong I'm like oh that sucks and I'm kind of mad for like a little bit but I probably won't dwell on it for three days, whereas a three, like, will probably resent you forever. They just harp on things like that. Yeah, because they want to be the best, and how dare you say they're not the best. Also, they struggle with taking breaks and not bringing work home because so much of their identity is in their job that they get so drawn in that sometimes it's hard for them to step away. Okay. And I also said what they don't understand other people, laziness, things like that. Oh, the message they need to hear is that you are valuable for who you are, not just your achievements. Okay, so we're taking a step up from the twos where it's like you're valuable for who you are, not all the things that you do for other people. The threes are valuable for who you are, not because of like all the trophies that you have or your list of accomplishments. Exactly. Okay. And that their feelings matter because like a childhood wound with a three would be that 
basically they weren't really acknowledged or given that attention unless they accomplished something. So it might be they weren't given like any sort of major affection or attention unless they did win a basketball game or a spelling bee or something like they had to earn that love essentially. So instead of earning it through like loving actions, like a two, they earned it by being the best at something. Gotcha. They also, because they're very action driven, they tend to not dwell in their negative feelings and that when something negative comes in, they immediately want to go into action and fix it rather than processing and feeling that emotion because they feel like they can just fix it and be better and it will go away, which is unfortunately not how it works. Dad. (laughs) (laughs) Calling you out, Colin. Dad, I think you're a three. (laughs) Instead of just processing the information, they skipped that thing. They're like, oh, this thing's uncomfortable. Also, it might stop me from being the very best at whatever I'm doing. So I'm going to put this in a box over here because that's inconvenient to my achievement. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how they work. So you have a 3v2, which is the charmer. They're warm. They're sociable. They like to be the center of attention. They're the more extroverted, like fun. Again, all your pro athletes, probably a lot of musicians are like three fours, three twos, big pro musicians, obviously, Um, because I'm thinking four more like people who are like in it for their art. (laughs) Um, Oh, Jesus. Yeah. You can't wait to hear about fours. Yes. (laughs) Which I'm just being resentful because I don't understand and that's what I need to identify with. That's all. I still love you fours. (laughs) But they're basically the... The person that everybody wants to hang out with. I might edit this out because I don't have her permission, but Laura, Laura is a three. Okay. So she's just like big personality, big fun, but like also like a lot, but a lot of my favorite people are a lot. Congrats. Congrats on the little wedding, Laura. It looked really cute. And I love that dress. She's gorgeous. And uh, she moved, like we moved the same weekend and she's 10 minutes from me now. So I need to go see her. Aw, yay. But yeah, so she's has that big, like, charming personality and somehow melds into, like, any group she goes into. So that's, like, a three. My mom's also a three. I think my dad's a three. My mom's a three, but my mom doesn't think she's a three because she thinks a test can't beat her. Mm -hmm. I haven't had my parents take this test, but I'm curious because I'm getting three vibes from this. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking of my dad as you're saying stuff, but I don't know. I don't know four through nine. So we'll see. Yeah. So my mom's a three and then she's like such a three that like she felt like the test beat her. And so she didn't like it. That's how three of a three my mom is. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just go in like, it's very meta. Mm -hmm. You're such a three that you don't think you're a three. You're such a three that like the idea of someone putting you in a box and you not being better than a test is bothering you. Amazing. Or I guess a four would too. Anyways, but then a three V four is the professional. So they're introspective, artistic, sensitive. They're more focused on like work and success than necessarily others image of them because a three is pretty image conscious. Okay. Going to Enneagram fours. I only talk mad shit because I have to be more like you to be a better version of myself. So don't take (laughs) it personally. The fours are the individualist or the romantic. Their core motivation is to find and express themselves and find a place in the world and be significant. Then their core fear is not being significant or unique or being inadequate. This sounds like a lot of work. Exactly, right? See, it sounds daunting. Fours are supposedly the rarest type, but also 
like their personality type, they would want to be the rarest type. Like they say, like when they do a test, like at a seminar and they're like, who's a four? That when fours raise their hand, they look like suspiciously at other fours. Like there's no way you're as like individual on four as I am. Uh, Jesus. (laughs) So they're like, well, I'm a four, but I'm like so unique that I'm like a four, like no one else is a four. Congratulations. Yeah. So that's, God love them. That's them. However, they have this creative spirit. So like your friends who tend to surround themselves with like beautiful things that are very like passionate and sensitive and intense. They are also, again, why we're supposed to be more in tune with them, the most introspective and authentic type. So even the things they don't like about themselves, they are the best at acknowledging that and just being okay with that negative part of themselves. So they So are they the most self-aware? Yes, I would say they're the most self-aware just because they are they are the feeling one. Like they they love like big, deep, meaningful conversations. They're good at sitting in those sad feelings with you, kind of like a two, but more so because they just love intense feelings. Okay. So they struggle a little bit more with detaching their feelings from decision making. Whereas like a two can like shut off their own emotions or, you know, a three is going to make the best decision to achieve a four. It's literally entirely feeling motivated. Okay. And so they struggle with thinking that no one is like them. Therefore, no one can understand them or love them adequately because there's no one who understands their brain. So like your typical teenager, like you can't, you don't understand, like you can't imagine what I've been through. Yeah. They feel so intensely. And so unfortunately, they are often seen as dramatic, but it's just because they kind of tap into those feelings and feel them deeply. And, you know, they don't shrug it off and pretend like it's fine. They also have very vivid imaginations. So with these vivid imaginations, a lot of times they have unmet expectations because they've created these different realities and like these, they're just able to create so much more than the world can even live up to. So then they're disappointed with the reality sometimes. This seriously sounds fucking exhausting. Yeah, it is. It's, it has to be hard to be a four because you think no one thinks like you. Right. Like you feel isolated just by the way that your brain works. Mm-hmm. But unbelievable. Yes. But again, for us to be a best version of ourselves as two, because we don't like to deal with our own shit, we have to kind of tap in. And typically the best way to identify with your own emotions is through creativity, which is why these are the most creative types and where they're able to express their emotions. So these people, like they said, like these are the people who are surrounded by beautiful things. They're good at fashion. They're good at art. They're like just very perceptive of all of those things. Interesting. Yes. And they don't understand how people lack empathy. Like they get very frustrated with passive aggressive or manipulative people, like people who would possibly like weaponize emotions. Right. Like when they make a decision, it's based off of like, is this going to be the one that makes me feel like I did the right thing? Or maybe not if it makes them feel like they did the right thing, but like they're going to have the best feeling with that decision as opposed to like, if I do this, then X, Y, Z is going to happen. Or if I do this, like ABC is going to happen. And so I guess they're not like a pros cons list kind of person. No. And they probably tend to be a bit more selfish just because they're going off how they're going to feel, not necessarily how anybody else is going to feel. Right. Well, it can be perceived by other people as selfishness, but for them, it's like, this is what feels right. Yeah, it's what they have to do because otherwise, and if they have a negative emotion, they don't feel like they did what's right. They're feeling it so much more intensely, but they also can help those around them because a lot of these types, including us, like we avoid our emotions. 
Whereas a four is, you know, we'll sit in somebody else's, but we're not going to want to sit in our own. Whereas if you had a good friend who was a four, which this is one of the few types I don't have a, a four in my life that's really close to me, they would be really good at like pulling that kind of stuff out of you. Right. So I do. I feel like fours might be, I don't think, I can't think of anybody who's a four because they honestly sound <laughs> like a lot mm-hmm. to me. Oh, so the things that fours need to hear is I promise to honor your feelings and emotion and I promise to seek and understand every part of you. So I'm going to try to understand where you're coming from. I'm not going to minimize you and I'm going to try my best to understand where you're coming from. Okay. I mean, all of the things that each Enneagram type needs needs to hear sound really great. (laughs) They do sound great, but like think about how you felt when I said that your love for you and not what you do for others. Like, right. like it of, definitely hits different. Exactly. So the 4v3 is called the ag- aristocrat. Oh, Jesus. And so they're like extroverted, ambitious, very image conscious. So they're like want to be unique, but also have that need for external validation. Okay. And then which, you know, as you're going through now that you know what a three is, you know what a four is. It makes sense that when you put those two together, what kind of combo you're going to have. Right. And then there's different things that break down the difference between like a 3v4 and a 4v3. It's basically what your like motivation and your basic fear is. So like where you want to be unique or you want to be the best. Okay. Yeah. So then a 4v5. Okay. I forgot this is what it's called. It's funny. The Bohemian. So they're. Fuck off. They're reserved (laughs) and withdrawn, but they're very observant and very intellectual. These are the ones who always have the best weed. Yes, true, true, <laughs> very true. And uh, but you can't smoke with them because they'll fuck up your whole brain. Yeah, like you want to buy the weed from them, but then you want to get away yeah. far so I, that you don't get sucked into a conversation about like the universe. <laughs> yeah, because I can't. I couldn't do that shit. Well, huh. I would just my whole existential crisis would be exhausting. I couldn't do it. No, no. Okay, Enneagram Five, the Investigator. Their core motivation is to be competent in anything they come across. And their core fear is to be like incompetent or to be useless. So your five friend looks like the intelligent, mature one. They're very analytical and logical. They're reliable, respectful. They're typically more closed off and private, very observant. Uh, They do get bored very easily. And so they like to dive into new topics, but these aren't like how I'm skimming, they don't skim. They're, when they find something they're interested in, they deep dive in that shit because their whole goal is that they understand and prepared for anything and they just try to retain the most amount of knowledge because they struggle with feeling inadequate and not confident that they can perform tasks. So they believe that if they just are as educated as possible and they learn absolutely everything they can about certain tasks that they'll perform them better. Sounds exhausting too. It does sound exhausting. They a lot of times struggle with being considered cold, but also that they have this desire and need to be an expertise in at least one thing, if not a couple different things. I Charlie's best friend is a five and we say his Indian name, like his, excuse me, Native American name. This is not hopefully culturally insensitive, but it's like the one who knows everything. Like he wants to be- He who knows everything. Exactly. He who knows everything about everything. Like that is his Indian name. His given non-politically correct 
name if he had a tribal spiritual name. Okay. <laughs> but their way of problem solving and having more confidence in everything they do is just by basically overstudying it. Which as people who wing things, I don't understand, but they're probably also exhausted by us, so it's whatever. Yeah, I <laughs> I can already hear myself getting into an argument with a five. Yeah. And I'm I'm annoyed at them. <laughs> They're very intense. They would probably, I have sometimes I I thought Charlie had like five tendencies because like he'll fucking pull statistics out of his ass. Like when we're having an argument, like how do you remember that? Like, why do you have references? We just started talking about this five minutes ago. You haven't picked up your phone to Google anything. Yeah. Who are you citing? (laughs) Relax. Relax. Calm down. Probably just because his best friend's a five and he's had to learn how to argue with him. Yeah, probably. (laughs) But I'm like, where are you getting these from? I don't understand. But they're very, they're just very intense. They're very knowledgeable. They have a lot to teach, but they also struggle with kind of getting fixated and not getting perspective. So they may like deep dive into something. And how I understood it is basically they're not good triagers. You know what I mean? Like, they're not good okay. at identifying what's the most important and what needs attention now. They, like, find something and then they just, like, claws in all the details, everything. Like, my pretty much opposite of how my brain Okay, works. not good triagers is, like, a really straightforward way, for me at least, mm-hmm. to visualize that. Yeah. That's interesting. Okay. Yes. So, and they also, so the thing they don't understand other people is how people aren't able to remove their emotions from decisions. So fives, although they do feel intensely and they're actually typically wound super tight and pretty anxious people because they have all the shit going on in their brain all the time, they are able to completely detach their emotions and make a logical decision and they do not understand that everyone's not capable of doing that. So this is interesting because they're right next to fours. Exactly. So this is also weird when you see a um, a 9v8. It's a little off to me that I don't understand but I guess if you're like a four or five you have these intense feelings but you also either being either way have this crazy inability to just shut them off or put them aside in order to make your best decision worth educated decision hmm Mm -hmm. so that sounds fucking horrible it has to be hard feeling things so strongly and like wanting to make a decision one way but the other part of your brain is like no we have to turn that off and make this decision i don't like that (laughs) i don't i don't like that because it sounds really hard well and that sucks king i every time i listen to it and it's the same thing that guy chris in the enneagram he's like i have heartbreak for every other type because it's like the evil you know versus evil you don't. Like, I know what it's like to not deal with my own problems and be taken advantage of. These other things, the idea of being trapped inside someone else's brain is fucking terrifying. And like what they have to deal with every day. Yeah. I can't imagine. It's It has to be so hard. So like a little bit of your heart breaks every time you hear like a one, how mean they are themselves. Or a three, how they think they're not worth anything if they don't win. Or a four, if they're not unique, they're not supposed to be here. They don't have any purpose. Like... How fucking horrible things do you say to yourself? Right. And like, stop being mean to my friends, you know? Yeah, exactly. Like, you just want to protect people from themselves. It's so interesting. It gives you like a whole other level of empathy. Mm-hmm. Even just the skimming. Yeah. That's crazy. I know. We've been talking for like an hour and I already am like rethinking some of the fucked up stuff I've said to people. 
<laughs> not that I should ever be mean to people, but like I will continue to do it. So maybe I'll just like not aim it right towards their type. <laughs> Stick Strate- the knife in, but not twist it, you know? Strategically make fun of people, if you will. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I want to cause some damage, but not like cause a total mental breakdown, you know? Non permanent consequences. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Oh, fives also don't understand basically how people can like shut their brains off because they have so much going on and so much problem solving happening constantly and things that they want to do that the idea that anyone is able to rest (laughs) is mind boggling to them. So are these the people that are like on Xanax? Basically, or they should be. Or they need counseling. Maybe just like a little bit to go to sleep. Yeah. So I do understand that. Except for like, I feel like how I feel to go to sleep is how they feel all the time. Right. Wow. So that's them. The message they need to hear is, I understand your need for privacy and space. I will encourage you to express your feelings and then respect them. And then your needs are not a problem. So... Fives kind of felt as if because these kids from like a young age were so responsible and resourceful that especially if they have siblings, they more than likely saw that they weren't the squeaky wheel and they were able to be given more responsibility and kind of take care of themselves. So they thought something was wrong with them that they weren't given the attention and given the same, you know, one on one when really it was just that they were just such like little mini adults that their caregivers probably didn't even think they needed it. So they were like left to their own devices because they could survive. Exactly. And so they felt like their needs weren't a problem and that they had to figure it out on their own and that their needs aren't important. Ouch. Yeah. I know when you hear about like what different people struggle with, it's, it's fucking heart wrenching. Yeah. Okay. So the five, four, I don't know how to say this. Obviously I copied and pasted it because like wings are not something I know off the top of my head in any way. Okay. So it's called the iconoclast. So they are more creative and sensitive fives. And here's where I think this is how it was explaining. They can empathize, but they are less likely to connect with other people. So they have fewer friends because although they can understand your feelings more in order to be able to have that five energy and like shut up, shut shit, shut shit off, they like can't have that many connections. It's like if you're a five, four, it's just too many feelings. Exactly. So they already have are too tapped into their own that they can't take on anybody else's shit. Okay. But they understand because they're very in tune with their own feelings. So they empathize with you, but like they don't want to deal with it. Right. Like they don't have room. No, they don't. Okay. And then a five, six is the problem solver. So they're typically more social. They're very cautious, but they're also typically more assertive. So they're a little bit, I wouldn't say there's, there's definitely outgoing fives because I have a couple girlfriends who are fives actually, who are super outgoing. So I'd say they're probably five, six. 5v6, but I would say probably are cautious with who they make connections with because it takes so much energy out of them. Quality, not quantity. Exactly. Which, hello, they had that figured out earlier than probably we did. Right. Lucky. I know, right? 
Enneagram six are the loyalist. They're actually the most common type. Their core motivation is to be secure and have a good support system. And their core fear is being alone. Zoe. (laughs) (laughs) This friend looks like your most loyal friend. They are not just loyal to people though, they're loyal to like ideals and values. It's not necessarily authority, like they will do everything their teacher says, but whatever they find important, they stay like loyal to that. They have convictions. Exactly. They're very protective. They do have a lot of anxiety because they are major like preparers. They go through worst case scenarios. They're constantly going through like their disaster preparedness plan. Zoe. Yes, they are very trustworthy. <laughs> Zoe. And they are also understanding and non-judgmental. Zoe. Yes. So <laughs> what they struggle with because of the way they process and this like constant alertness is they struggle with pessimism actually because when their brain is constantly going through worst case scenario to try to protect them because they all they want is like stability and safety so they feel like if they think of worst case scenario, which is like what we talked about last week, that they can prepare for it, which you can't. And a lot of times when they're going through these choices or these like possibilities, then they get stuck in this like pessimistic circle. Okay. And they're very scared they're going to make the wrong choice. They also have a tendency to test relationships because they really need to be able to trust the people they're around. And so in order to make sure that they're safe, they'll kind of like test you constantly in order to make sure that you're really going to be there for them and that they're not making the wrong choice and having you as like a friend or a partner. Hmm. They, they can't wrap their mind around people who betray those who um, don't need like a stability of some kind, or sometimes it's routine. Sometimes it's just knowing you have like a network or something to rely upon. And they also can't imagine like living without anxiety because most of their life is processing what could possibly happen. Yeah. I always say like Zoe is, I don't, I think I've talked about her on here before. She's my sister. She's five years younger than me. So we are pretty far apart, but there is no one on earth who is a better person to have your back. Like she is loyal to a fault Mm -hmm. in some cases and will just fucking step up and go to bat for the people that she cares deeply about. And she will like go down with the ship for people she loves. She will go down with the ship for people she loves. And she, she definitely is an overthinker when it comes to what's the worst thing that could happen. Yeah. Which as we've discussed, unfortunately, doesn't help anything. No. But that's just how they process. And a lot of times, one of the reasons why they're loyal to a fault is they just like have this need for security that they they want to put, kind of like how we treat others, how we want to be treated, like they put trust into people, how they like want to be trusted. So they, I guess the other way around. They are such a Fort Knox with your secrets because they want that back from you. And they are such a stable friend because they need that back from you. And when you can't do that, they don't understand. So I love a type six who was betrayed. And I can't think of anything more detrimental to her than a betrayal like that. Like she like that is the personality type that will take it to their soul and core the most. And you said they're the most common. Mm-hmm. It's like 60% of the population is a type six. 
I wonder if that's why so many people have anxiety. Mm-hmm. It makes sense. Plus, think about all the shit that's going on in the news. And you see, I think we talked about this last week. It's like, oh, my disaster preparedness plan did not include this shit. Right. Nope. Had no Couldn't idea. Couldn't predict that. Couldn't. So what sixes need to hear is that you are safe with me. I will reassure your fears and doubts and you can trust yourself because they also feel as if they're going to make the wrong choice. At Zoe. At Zoe. You can trust yourself and us. So a 6v5 is the defender. They're the more introverted, intellectual, heightened, even more anxious, but they're also very focused. Whereas a 6v7 is the buddy. They're social. They're more impulsive and they're really high energy. Hmm. I wonder if I can't really put my finger on which ones, which way Zoe would lean, but I guess now she is getting a little older, so maybe she's spreading into both. I'll go so over seven and see kind of, I can see even just on my limited interactions with her, her being more of a six V seven. Yeah. Because the five didn't really resonate with me mm-hmm. the way that six just did. Yeah. So a, okay. se- a seven is the enthusiast. I, I love sevens. I wish I was a seven. I know it's as, not as easy as it fucking looks, but Charlie's a seven and a lot of my good friends are sevens. Like they're just, God, they're so much fucking fun. They are, they are the life of the party. Their core motivation is to be happy and to be content. And their core fear is like missing out on things and losing freedom. FOMO. Yes. Oh my God. Hella FOMO. Your seven friend looks like the life of the party. They're going to always be up for new adventures. They are very spontaneous. They're bright. They're cheerful. They're quick-witted. They have a very short attention span because their brain, they're able to detach from feelings in a different way than other types are. Like how fives make a logical decision, but they're kind of more pessimistic. I see possibility of bad things happening in the world and stuff. Like a seven is able to detach their feelings from things and like only see, like they can reframe things in the best way and they can turn off their feelings and make these decisions so quickly that they can like bounce back from things. Like you can just hit them with a huge blow of bad news and they can like take off their bad feelings, like reframe the situation and come back with the the potential upside of this bad thing. They see the silver linings to everything. Yeah, they are the absolute CEOs of reframing and silver linings. Like that is huge for them. And friendships are very important. They sound very positive. Yes, the most positive. Honest to God, fucking exhaustingly positive when you date one. I was going to say that sounds tiring. It's so exhausting. It's uh. I love them. But it's also, as somebody who's an empath, to be around somebody who is so, like, bright all the time, it is, like, the light when you're more of kind of a dark. It is helpful because when you've fed off somebody who's negative in your life, you know how much it can bring you down. His brightness does bring me up, even though if it does irritate me sometimes. Fair enough. Yeah. That sounds nice. Yes. So he struggles, and all of them struggle with FOMO. So fucking bad. They get butt hurt when they're not invited to things. They often struggle with commitment in that they see like a potential and then like they're like, what if like a more fun thing happens? Right. So that is something that especially seven V8s are notorious for not being good at commitment. I was going to say, it sounds like every guy. Yeah. (laughs) The dating app. Yeah. 
And I'm sure like I I'm sure Charlie when he was younger, but I mean, I think kind of once you're a dad and life's a little bit different. It's And he's told me that he's like, yeah, the idea of like missing out on things. But he's like, I had to like reevaluate as I got older, what really was important. And that now getting drunk three nights a week isn't what I'm missing. Right. But he's like, when I was younger, yeah, I hated commitment because I'm like, what is something cooler came up? Right. Like there's always something better out there. The grass is always greener. Exactly. So they will sometimes settle for quantity instead of quality just because they don't want to miss out. They refuse to deal with their negative feelings. Absolutely. It is detrimental for them to have to sit in negative or other people's negative feelings. Like they, it makes them so uncomfortable. They get bummed out. Um, They also typically use their positive attitude to not only distract themselves from negativity, but distract others. And so they struggle with that because more than likely, like either, like I've said, the message they heard growing up or they think they heard is that they were valued for seeing the bright side and for not letting their problems get them down or not letting negative things that happen to them like weigh them down. So they were depended upon by others around them to make things better, to kind of brighten things up and be the distraction. So since that's what they were valued for as like their childhood wound, as an adult, they feel as if that's what they need to be in order to be loved. I guess we'll kind of skip to like what they need to know. It says, I will encourage you to face and bring out your darkness and stay with you in it rather than escaping it that you'll be taken care of because sevens think that if they're not the fun one and the bright one and the person that you're enjoyable to be around that you don't want to be around them. That if they let down their the walls and shared like why they're upset or sad or angry, that then you would no longer want to be their friend anymore. That sounds exhausting too. Not only do they not want to be around negative feelings, but they think they can't share those negative feelings because they don't want to lose you because that's what they feed off of is being around others. Ugh. Yeah. And they also don't understand, they don't understand how people get stuck in negative feelings. He had told me that he had depression when he was with his last partner and he had never had that before. He kind of thought, he's like, I was so ignorant. I thought depression wasn't real. Like you could just get over it. And he was like, I couldn't believe how ignorant I had been and like what that felt like that that took my willingness to live. And knowing him now, I can't fucking imagine because he's like just a lot. I love him. But he's just so he has so much will to live, like an, a zealous of life yeah. that can be exhausting that like the idea that a situation he was in took that. You know, like if, if a seven can have depression, <laughs> anybody can. Yeah. And it was like a wake up call for him because he's like, I had no idea that that was just not somebody just having a bad attitude. <laughs> like, right. They and they it's hard for them to process. And then they also don't understand how other people have to use their emotions to process. Like most of us can't detach our feelings from information. So we do take a little bit longer. It's interesting to me because it's like. We always hear that positive reinforcement is better than negative reinforcement, but it's just crazy that like even the positive reinforcement for things like winning something or finding the silver lining in something or like being creative can have this effect. Not that any of the personality types are bad, like you're going to have a personality and it's probably going to fit into one or more of these categories, but like it's just crazy that the way that positive reinforcement works for you as a child leads to 
what you find valuable about yourself as an adult. It's fucking insane. And it's, you know, the thing and talk about positive reinforcement. Like if you were the one who was more easygoing and you did make things more enjoyable and make light of situations and God love him. That man has been through a lot and he did not have it easy growing up and has chosen to make the most out of circumstances. However, it makes him a lot less tolerant of people unable to do that, which we're still working on. But he thinks, not obviously, he like knows depression stuff, but he thinks like, oh, well, if you, ha- you can pull yourself out if you have a good attitude. I'm like, it's a little bit harder than that. Like, let's calm down a second. <laughs> like, right. It's not that easy. But I also have another girlfriend who's a seven. I, I, I love sevens. But she said, being a seven, is like, you know, every time you go to the grocery store with a seven, you're going to have more fun. But when a seven goes to Disney World, they're going to be so excited. But if you make a plan for the seven, they no longer want to be there. So like if you go to Disney World, they are like in their zone. And then you're like, we're going to go to this ride at this time, this ride at this time. You sucked all the joy out of their whole day. They like spontaneity. They need it. Like they need that creative energy. They need that spontaneity. They need to not feel trapped and not feel as if they have no other options they also need to feel like encouraged. So your sevens will have these like huge vibrant ideas. Like they're just like, just all like bouncing off the wall ideas. And if they feel like you shut them down and you bring in that negative energy, they're going to also feel trapped. Okay. Let's see. A seven V six is the entertainer. Uh, they are very relationship driven. They're more loyal and they're more responsible. Because, you know, they have that, that anxiety side of the six where they're kind of more grounded. You know, they have the, they think things through and are very, have that loyalty side of a seven, six. And then a seven, eight is the realist. They're very passionate, strong. They're natural born leaders and they are also very intense. Okay. So then we go to the eight. Oh, eights. Eights, eights, eights. And this is our, this is Sierra. This is Sierra. And this is us when we are backed into a corner. When we're backed into a corner, we can pull good stuff from them, but also at our worst, we are like eights. <laughs> Sierra's friends thought she was a six, which Sierra is also one of the most loyal human beings on the planet. Like if I had to hide a body, I mean, this is going in the air, whatever, but Sierra would be who <laughs> I call. But this, when you hear this, I mean, it's just her. I was like, of course you're an eight. She's like, my friend saw I was a six. I was like, then you've never fought with your friends. <laughs> because you're eight as fuck and i knew that and obviously i would have never told her because if you tell someone what they are it kind of paints them in a corner like yeah. it's one of the worst things you can do is type someone without them which is why i always say I'm like hey can you go take a test can you take a test know what you are sorry zoe and dad but i typed you <laughs> you typed him which i mean <laughs> are you probably right yes did i get everybody in my family except for i think savannah mistyped maybe i'm wrong hers is a two but savannah's no problem accepting help so i just don't feel like that's right because she has like zero pride when it comes to that kind of stuff. Like she seems more, I don't know. She's very easygoing. Yes. So maybe I'm wrong, but I don't see Samantha as a two, but she typed as a two, but she also just graduated nursing school. So she's in that helper zone. Right. Anyways, sorry. We're just like talking about our family. It's fine. Welcome to a fucking <laughs> podcast. This isn't a documentary. <laughs> I wonder what Cheryl is. I don't want to type her because um, she scares me. <laughs> <laughs> huh, maybe we're getting into Cheryl's type then. <laughs> Maybe. Let's hear about eights. Okay. So Enneagram eights, the challenger's core motivations is autonomy and being self-reliant. Their core fear is being perceived as weak or vulnerable. Your eights look intense. They're powerful. They're leaders. They're abrasive, protective. 
They feel personally responsible to fix injustices. They're confrontational, decisive, have very strong convictions. Kind of like the fighting for justice. They're big fighters for like the underdog. And oh my God. Yes. They're also typically very charismatic because they have that leadership personality. They also are able to persuade people to follow them, but they're also going to do whatever the fuck they want. Okay, mom. (laughs) Because she literally, my entire life, she's always said, like, one of her things that she says constantly is that she loves an underdog. It's crazy. Okay. And so, what eights struggle with is that they thrive off of intensity. So, like, they're loud, they like creating conflict, which to you and I, I'm like, why? Why you got to do that? Why you got to make this harder? Like, we were having a great lunch. Why you got to bring that shit into it <laughs> and make this a non-enjoyable evening? Because now I feed off everyone's energy and I can't focus on my mac and cheese because you two are anxious, you're angry, and you're heated. And I, now I want to go home. Right. So this is where we differ from eights. We don't need intensity. <laughs> we just don't. Okay. They believe the world is against them. They have difficulty depending on and trusting and being vulnerable with others. And they typically will shut others out before they're able to hurt them. So like they would rather shut you out and hurt you before you could possibly hurt them. They protect others as they wish they had been protected. And they do not do well when others assert their power or authority on them, especially if they think that that person does not have the power or authority to do so. (laughs) (laughs) the protection thing is hitting home with me for my mom too yeah so what they have difficulty understanding in others again like gifts and weaknesses they don't understand people who can't stand up for themselves they don't understand non-authentic or fake people they want you to shoot it to them straight they do not want you to beat around the bush they want you to hit your point don't be fake don't go through bullshit tell them what you're thinking and like fucking put it on the table okay and they do not like indecisiveness and they don't understand how people could possibly not know how to make a decision because they will what's the saying chop their arm off or whatever what's that thing it's like despite themselves bite their arm off despite themselves yeah like basically like even if they don't know if they're right they're gonna have so much conviction in the answer that they gave that they don't care if they're wrong like they're just they know it's their answer So what eights need to hear is that I promise to support you and encourage you to share your vulnerabilities and that those are not weaknesses. And I will stay on my own ground and speak my truth in return. At Cheryl. Yes. So eights a lot of times went through things that made them grow up quickly. And they felt as if they had to take care of themselves and protect themselves. Therefore, this like small inner child, eights are actually typically usually really good with kids. Because even for having this abrasive outer shell with adults, there's this like innocence inside them that they've already always had to protect that kids identify with. It's not even necessarily that they like kids. It's that kids are like attracted to them. Okay. And they, they just kind of come off as that tough outer shell, gooey center. Like if I love you, I will die for you. And that I will murder, not just die for you, but I will murder everyone who comes near you kind of thing. Like they are the bosses. Yeah. And they love, you know, and like you said, an underdog. They love to crusade for somebody who can't stand for themselves. And they are very strong in their convictions and beliefs. Yeah. My mom and I, or well, my dad says that my mom and I are in violent agreement (laughs) on certain things. 
It's like, I agree with you. And then her volume gets louder. And I'm like, no, I'm saying I agree with you. And she gets louder, (laughs) more intense. That's what like things will say, like type eight. And it's like, I'm not being loud. This is just my voice or like, I'm just, (laughs) I'm just speaking my feelings. Okay. And it's kind of funny. So like how we go to eights in times of stress and like kind of to learn how to stand up for ourselves. Eights place of growth is to go to two. So in order to be the best version of themselves, they have to learn to be vulnerable with other people and to connect with other people and serve other people. Okay. So when they're, so like the, when your mom were to hear about our personality type, she's like, that sounds exhausting. Right. I don't need anybody else. I don't want to need anybody else. I'll take care of it myself. Thank you so much. Yeah. Also, not trying to type your mom either. Sorry, Cheryl. But. <laughs> I also mom, t- I think we can all agree that that. Maybe not everything, but. Come on, mom. <laughs> come on, mom. But yeah, she we'll can look into it this. more. She'll look, she, she'll look into it and be like, oh, damn. Okay. No, she's such an advocate for the underdog, and she really does care deeply about, like, justice causes and not to, like, expose anybody, but there, you know, were things growing up for her that I'm sure she feels like she lost a little bit, you know, of childhood time based off of, you know, having to do things on her own and stand up for herself by herself at a young age, and that resonates, I think, yeah, I bet. Sounds exhausting too. Fuck, mom. Yeah, I mean, it's, and when you think of it that way, because like Sierra is the most loyal, but also there's no one I fight with like Sierra. But she also just feels so passionately about everything. Like, this is my sister who stuck her foot up my butt about a picture. Also, Sierra and I got in a fight when I was in college about frozen pizza, and she told me to go home and that no one wanted me there, okay? This child <laughs> is fucking intense. But also, I had to tell her about my ex-husband while she was in Australia because I knew if she was home, she would murder him. She is just intense. Like, that's just the best word for her. But, like, okay, the Black Lives Matter movement, she got me in touch with Raya. She has anything, animals are her passion that is her lifeline and the amount of stuff she does for environmental sciences and animal science and things like that like she crusades for that yeah she does she like works really hard and she digs her heels in and she makes it fucking known the causes she cares about and i admire that a lot yeah she's i mean you don't fuck with sierra we've told her that she'll probably rule the world one day we just hoped that she would do it through good and not through evil (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that was the main concern. That was it. Fair enough. Yeah. And so an eight seven is called the Maverick, like as in, like Joe Biden, or who called himself a Maverick? John McCain. Maybe I was thinking more Top Gun. Like they're very high oh. energy and like social and kind of t- reckless because they just kind of do what feels right and don't really care what affects anybody else. Okay. And then an eight nine is called the Bear. So they're more introverted and reserved, and they're typically only really aggressive when provoked. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. But, like, once they're provoked, they're terrifying. <laughs> I had an ex-boyfriend who his dad's, like, saying was, don't poke the bear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because so it's, like, like, calm, whatever, like, has a lot of passion in there, but won't, like, throw it on you. But then, like, once you cross a boundary, shit's going downhill quickly. 
I think okay. Sierra is an eight seven, and I'm just hoping to God that she's gonna grow up and not be as reckless as she can be sometimes. <laughs> she just says shit with no thoughts of consequences of what she says. So that's what I think of when I think of reckless is that she has no thoughts in how her <laughs> words affect other human beings. That's so interesting because I get that from my parents a lot, and I I think I say crazy shit without a filter when I feel like I'm being attacked. Mm-hmm. You get put in a so you're saying like if I'm in a stressful spot, like my brain jumps to functioning like an in that way. And I'll just like spew some crazy shit. But also like your mother is an eight. Yeah. So it's like when you're in stress, you revert to like your mom's basic personality. Because you probably watched her not get walked all over and get shit done. And you know that if you have those kind of assertive behaviors, you're going to be able to protect yourself more. Yeah, that's a good way to say that I'm acting like my mom when I... (laughs) (laughs) I I just think it's fascinating. I know. I I love my mom, but no one wants to hear, like, you're acting just like your mother. (laughs) Like, okay, I'll just fucking jump off a bridge now. (laughs) Okay, well, here, I'll flip it on me. My mom is a three. And she... I love my mom. She, again, like I've always said, she hustles her ass off, did everything for us, was like owner and company PTA president. Three. as fuck, right? But then she, not demanded, but really expected excellence, you know? And also was not very tolerant of like that vulnerability kind of thing. Like, I mean, she would listen, but like she wanted you to put a fucking game face on for everybody else. Right. Which is like a three because they care about like how they appear and, you know, like what others think. So she's like, you can have this at home. We can talk about it. And she would never shut me out in any way. She was not that kind of mom. She would talk about and receive whatever. But then we didn't talk about it outside the house or let anyone else know. Right. Like it was a secret outside of that. Yeah. So everybody's mom fucks them up in a different way, dude. That's just the whole point of having a mom. And then if you don't have a mom, you're even a different kind of fucked up. Exactly. Like no matter what. Yeah, so you can't, and that's where people are like, talk about how do I not give my kid a childhood wound? You can't. There's going to be something. So then they're what, going to have no personality? That's fun. Yeah, plus they're going (laughs) to, even if you don't directly say something, like they're going to have some sort of perceived notion because it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Like they're going to think that you meant something even if you didn't, and they're going to go into that. Right. So Enneagram 9 is the peacemaker. Their core motivation is peace and inner stability. And their core fear is like loss or separation and essentially like loss of their peace. This friend looks like you're calm, friendly. They are the best mediator. They're dependable and steady. They're like to me, I'm not supposed to type people. I see Savannah as a nine. Like she is kind of like the even playing field, you know? Yeah. And they are very patient and supportive and they enjoy creating a peaceful environment, mostly for themselves, but also for others. They, their sin, quote unquote, is laziness, which is more apparent in procrastination and their need to withdraw and be home to recharge. It's mostly because they want to avoid like conflict and confrontation and having to make decisions. So a lot of times it's more so that they don't want to deserve the peace they need. So they aren't lazy in that, like, they don't have a motivation to do more with their life. They're lazy in that, like, the 
idea of disrupting their inner peace is more exhausting than like having to get this thing done. So they'll put it off as long as possible. Interesting. Yes. So they also have difficulty relaxing internally if there's unrest around them. So a lot of times they will just go along with whatever is going on because they would rather the conflict end than them like quote unquote be right or whatever else. Like they'll just be like, whatever I need to do to make this stop. Oh my God. I cannot imagine feeling that way. <laughs> See, this is where I think, I think it's Savannah, but she doesn't listen to this podcast anyway. So it doesn't matter if I type her. So like Savannah, how she doesn't listen to any podcast. She won't even listen to an audiobook. She hates, she hates it. She's like listening to like one or two to like support us, but like she can't stand listening to the people. Talk. All right. Savannah, just turn the fucking podcast on and then mute it. Yeah. Okay. Just support us. <laughs> God damn it. In order to like please other people and create peace for us because we also feed off emotions, we might serve others. I know you don't like that word, help others and do things. Nines will just kind of accommodate and emerge into whatever is going on so that that conflict ends. Okay. So they also struggle with numbing. So they have a high risk of different addictions because. I was just, oh my God. Okay. Yes, because, which is funny because my sister is like so strong in her convictions to like not try anything. Like she's never even smoked weed and gets upset about it because I think she knows that if she were to, or like even sleeping pills, like she has a problem with all of it. She knows if she numbs like the bad stuff, it will also numb the good stuff because you can't numb one without the other. Like you can't turn off everything and not feel the bad shit going on, but then also feel like true joy. So I think. Kind of like how we've learned how to be assertive. Savannah's had to learn to not, to me, I'm just what I go through. It's like she had to learn to not numb things out because then they're going to come back no matter what. <sighs> yeah. So when you first started talking about nines, I was like thinking of my ex a little bit. Mm -hmm. I was like, I wonder which one of these are the most likely to have like a drug or an alcohol problem. Mm -hmm. And then you fucking said that. Yes. I have chills. That, so that, and then... Threes are also likely because it's also said that threes are most likely to struggle with stimulants, which my ex-husband was a three and did, <laughs> because they feel that need to be on all the time, which is also exhausting. So they tend to use things to like help stimulate their personality or like hide the bad shit. Nines also numb. And then sevens actually can tend to numb because if they're not able to cover up their negative feelings, they'll repress it with something else. Right. Because they're so used to not having feeling negative feelings. I would definitely not say that my ex was like wanting to be on all the time. He was definitely a numb. Uh, it was a numb. A numb. Situation. So numb, like a numbing issue would be a nine. Yeah. Because they just want peace. Like they just want to be at peace and to be at rest. Like they just want the world around them to calm down. And if they have these internal demons they haven't dealt with, they will use other things to numb them. As a two, arguing with a nine is fucking infuriating. Because you don't want them to just because, agree with you. Right. They're just like, okay. Like, fuck that. Okay. Like, oh, so you don't give a fuck. But it's like they do give a fuck. They just like are trying to get back to a status quo because they can't function unless there's balance. Exactly. They have to learn to be uncomfortable and they don't like it. Right. And so until they can learn to live in some discomfort, which like I'll give my sister credit, she's been through some trauma. So she's had to be uncomfortable before. Whereas your ex probably hasn't been through enough real shit to learn that he has to be able to live with being uncomfortable a little bit. Yeah. Makes sense. 
Yeah, the things that really piss off nines is being talked over, talked down to, not listened to, inconsiderate people, or people who force them to make decisions quickly. They need to know, like what their like mantra needs to be is that their presence is important. I will encourage you to share your thoughts and experiences while respecting your boundaries, and you are still wanted even if you disagree. Okay. So <laughs> I just have a bad taste in my mouth now. Totally fair. Oh yeah, totally fair. I'm lucky that the like shitty people in my life, I also have good people in the same number and that they were like unhealthy and I know healthier people in that same number. Yeah. Okay. So that helps. Okay. And so like, yeah, so nines probably grew up in a house with like some unrest where they had to play like mediator and calm things down. So they've already been good at creating that tranquil environment. So then they were kind of dependent on that as they grew up. Okay. Interesting. And then the 9-8 is the referee. They kind of bounce between appeasing and then being assertive. They're typically more outgoing, but then when they emotion of reaction is almost always anger. Like they're like really, really calm. And then when they snap, it's because they're angry. Interesting. Whereas the 9-1 is the dreamer. They're typically more emotionally controlled. They're pretty orderly and idealistic, but they're also going to be pretty critical. Hmm. So. Damn. There's your type 9. Boom, bitch. The Enneagram. That was a lot, but like, I loved it. Yeah, it's a lot, but like, think about how much we talked about twos and we didn't go into most of that shit on the other numbers. That's true. Yeah, like, this is almost two hours and this is the cliff notes. Yeah. It's so interesting, though. It is. It truly, I can't think of anything in my life hasn't benefited from understanding whether it's my job or at home or with my family, because when I want to shake people because I don't understand why their brain just doesn't work correctly, then I'm like, oh, it's because this is how you process. Yeah. Before this episode drops, I'm definitely going to make my people take this. Yes. You need to make Kyle take it. I need to make Kyle take it. And I want to, I, I feel like I've just sent this to my family before, like years ago, it like was going around at work and I sent it to people, but I don't remember. I don't remember what they got. So, and I'm, if I don't remember, I guarantee they don't remember. Yeah. Cause you're the one who like pushed them to do it. Yeah. So I would, uh, I'm just going to have them all do it again. I wonder if I'm right. I wonder if like I'm perceiving their inner workings the way that they do. Yeah. I mean, it'd be interesting. Like I said, Savannah typed as a two, but you also hear of she's a nurse, but like a lot of new moms mistype as a two because like that's where their focus is, is taking care of someone else. Okay. So different parts of your life, you're more likely to mistype other places, but really what it boils down to is what motivates you and what scares the shit out of you. Okay. Yeah. So have your people type. I can't tell you how big of a difference it makes. We're going to have to offer this the link that you like yes the eclectic enneagram again we'll try to remember to put it in the bio notes making big promises here (laughs) (laughs) and i have never paid for a test i don't know anybody who has paid for a test i'm honestly like once you take one and then research it yourself i truly think you don't have to pay to understand this at all yeah i can't imagine unless you really are like if it strikes something in you and you take it to like a ridiculous level yeah because there's podcasts that are like the whole podcast is about enneagrams that's so cool yeah like jen hatmaker that's one where i got that story from she's doing a series right now 
which I loved her intro to the series. And then I got super excited for type two and she had this like really crunchy granola type two on that I did not identify with at all. And so I was like, oh, I don't feel like very seen at all in this episode. Like I didn't. Yeah. And that I've never had that happen. Like almost every other twos aren't that hard to understand. Like we're people, people, but just, I don't know. I just didn't, I didn't like that one as much, but all the rest of her series has been super good. Um, Brene Brown, as always, I will fucking endorse that woman until the day I die. And she does an Enneagram episode. Um, I don't know. I'll work on some resources and see if I can get them together. And, you know, we're trying on our social media game and we'll get better. We're, we're a work in progress for fucking sure. Yeah, there's like not going to be any self-actualization coming from us. We are like basic needs part of that pyramid of like we're trying. Maslow's hierarchy of needs. We're like food and water right now. We'll get to social media when our needs are met at the bottom. Yeah, we're surviving, not thriving, ladies and gentlemen. Exactly. <laughs> Well, after all this, Morgan, if we do get our social media together, where do they hang out with us at? Once it finally happens, inevitably, which like hopefully it eventually will. <laughs> <laughs> Instagram is at Make It Work Podcast. Twitter is at Make It Work Pod. Facebook.com slash Make It Work Podcast and Make It Work Podcast at gmail.com. Also, if I can answer any questions, I would love to. So send them to our Gmail. And yeah. So we'll see you guys next week. I hope you guys liked it. I hope it wasn't too overwhelming. And good night, Morgan. I love you. Good night. I love you too.